Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. My favorite day of the week is Monday because I get to talk to my creatives. Everybody in the show is one of my creatives. No initiation needed. Before we get started, I want to say we need to do a shout out. Ladies on my panel, I told you, I think I taught you very well. We did a little tutorial on the count of three. We're going to say hello, LLL, and I'll give you the story. One, two, three. Hello. Hello. L. Josh, I think that was one of the best. I say that every week, but I really mean it this time, lady. So LLL is lovely, <laughs> lanky Laura Legs. I met her in New York in a dance class many years ago. I met her at a few social dances and she will, well, she's not listening tonight. She told me she's sick. She's got the the, the version of, you know what, that we've been trying to avoid for three years. Just came down with it, said she's a hot mess, but she will listen to the replay to the broadcast. But she is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And every night when she's able to listen on Monday, at 8.01 p.m. Eastern Time, she will send me an email telling me how much she enjoyed the show. And she'll send me a little synopsis. She will, or she would have, or she she might, after she gets better, of what Cindy said, what Risa said, what Ala said, my three guests who I haven't even introduced yet. And she'll tell me how much she loved the show. And she calls me gorgeous radio lady of red, something like that. And <laughs> so we're very, very, very pleased to have her as our most loyal listener. I will tell you, ladies, that I've been trying to take up a fictitious GoFundMe campaign for many years now <laughs> to move her to a place that starts with L because she lives in Whitestone, New York. It's a Mark very nice okay. place. But the point is that we need to move her. So we tried London and it was too hot last year. Last so year. she didn't want, I'm getting a lot of echo here. We didn't, we didn't want to move her to London and Larchmont isn't up to her standards. Sorry, Larchmont. So we have to, we're, we're taking nominations of places with L to move her to. So here we are. This is February, what? 27th, next to the last day. Well, it's that short month, that thing. You know how that works. I'm calling this show today Outspoken Creativity because that's who my guests are. Shout out to my engineer, Josh. We call him our one name wonder here on Voice America. This is the 58th day of 2023 of the Gregorian calendar. There are 307 days left in the year. This is the ninth Monday, bless us all. I'm the only one who cares. Uh, Gregorian calendar is used in most part of the parts of the world. It was introduced in October 1582 by Pope Gregory the 13th as a modification for the Julian calendar. I always like to say a shout out to his mother. I know popes have mothers somewhere. And she had a very creative son because we are still using his calendar. What? 600 years later? 550? Yeah. So he was a very creative guy. Okay. Uh, this is the Pisces. We're in February 19th through March 20th. Any of my guests are Pisces? Anybody born in that sign? Alla or Risa or, or nope, Cindy. Okay. Well, Pisces is a water sign, the last constellation of the Zodiac. Two fish swimming in opposite directions, representing constant division of attention between fantasy and reality. They're emotionally sensitive. They're gracious. They're creative. 
They're imaginative. They're emotionally aware, sympathetic. They go to great lengths to ensure everyone around them is happy. I think that describes all of you. Don't you think so? <laughs> I'll Doesn't <take> it? That. <laughs> Creative and gracious and altruistic. I That's just so general. I think everybody I meet on the show is. Yes. So here we are. I will tell you who my three special guests are. I have a little intro here. Um, and one little comment here. Rock star David Burns, who was the former frontman David Byrne from Talking Heads, the band, was a guest on a radio show about how ideas happen. And he said, we're all creative. There are little fragments of ideas that come into our heads. And I have guests who talk about ideas that come to them when they shower, when they're doing different things. And he says, he puts them away in a file and he pulls them out and he does something with them, expands them, makes them better. And so this is something, uh, advice about being more creative in your own life. It's not about singing and dancing and writing dramas or painting or taking photographs. It's about how we create our lives. That's what I like to say. So I have three very focused creatives. Just wave hello when I call your name, Risa Wolf. W-O-O-L-F. We had quite a go around about that. I misspelled your name and I apologized a hundred times and now it's 101 PhD. <laughs> she trains TEDx keynote speakers because a lot of people have a fear of speaking and she wrote a book about that. Uh, I read part of the book and it's delightful. She has taught Fortune 500 public speaking seminars. That's very high up. And she's the author of Mr. Bear, B-E-A-R, Speaks Without Fear, the easiest way to learn the hardest subject. Love your book, Risa. Enjoyed your writing. And I love when his teenage daughter ends up being very smart about the loud voice versus the softer, wise voice of wisdom in our heads. The two voices saying, oh my God, you're going to screw up when you speak in public. No, you're not. You know this. You could do fine. And his daughter knew. And then you made an adorable comment in the book, Risa. You said he called his calls his daughter, honey. It's a bear and it was cute. And his wife calls him honeypot. I just thought that was lovely. <laughs> Very humanizing. There you go. Anthropomorphically humanizing. Then we have Ala Kalujni. Did I say it right, Ala? I rehearsed yes. it. Yeah, she, she wasn't sure I could do it, but Ali, you have to have confidence in me. She immigrated to the U.S. from Ukraine. She's the author of Turning the Pages, How Exploring My Past Lives led me on a journey of healing memories and what I learned while traveling back in time. And equally as important, she took a writing seminar with five other women. And after a while, the teacher said to them, every day you're going to write an essay on a specific prompt, a topic, a prompt. It could be the first time I was afraid of something or somebody I wish I hadn't met. Different prompts, very brief, 300 words maximum. And I went through the book that these ladies published. And I read every one of your essays, Allah, and I was very impressed. You have a lovely writing style. Thank you. Thank you for sharing the book with me. And then we have Cindy Watson. Cindy, wave hello. She's the founder of Women on Purpose. She's the creator of the Art of Feminine Negotiation Programs. She's a founder and managing partner of Watson Labor Lawyers. It has a U in labor. Is that British on purpose? You can answer that later, Cindy. And I have an excerpt from her book about women seeing ourselves as too small. We were told, don't speak out. Don't dress differently. Don't ask for a raise. Women, you have statistics in your book, Cindy, about how women of different ethnicities are earning what percent of what men are earning, that men are supposed to, I did this and I did that. We've been hearing about this for so long. Cindy, it's still going on and that's pretty sad. So we'll talk about the excerpt I pulled. And I'm still being told at my age and stage of life that I shouldn't be so outspoken and I shouldn't be so exuberant and that it's too much for some people. And you know what I want to say? 
<laughs> never done that on my show in 20, 25 years. <laughs> Love it. I will tell you, I, I moved to a new place. I'm not going to say where, but people know. And I attended a, a big social with about 150 people a couple of weeks ago, the, the newcomers. And they said, anybody who hasn't been to this meeting, we have a yacht club here. Anybody who hasn't been in the meeting, come up front and you're going to get on the microphone, and introduce yourself to people. So I was one of about 14 people. Risa, I'm not afraid of public speaking, dear. I think we know that already. Here I am. <laughs> and they passed it along and it was mostly couples. I'm Bob and this is my wife, Joan, and we want to fish and hike and we want to join the wine club and we want to do this. And this went on and then they handed the mic to me. Well, what did I do? Oh, Cindy knows. I went out and stood up in front of the crowd of 100, 150, and I said, hi, my name, my other name, my real name. And I said, I'm a broadcaster, and I'm a podcaster, and I want to talk to all the creatives in the audience. How do you answer the phone? How do you dress? How do you do your cereal? I'm starting a podcast. That's what I want to do here. You could have heard a pin drop. Nobody would make eye contact. They got scared to death of me. The woman in charge of this little enclave up front grabbed the microphone out of my hand and handed it to the next couple to talk about fishing and hiking. And then afterwards, I went up and introduced myself to the president of the group. And he said, you talk too much. You weren't supposed to spend that much time on the microphone. Well, at the end of the meeting, I filled out a little questionnaire. Is there anything you want to contribute to the group? And I wrote, yes, I'm a broadcaster and maybe I'll do something, blah, blah, blah. I got an email from this man today and he said, read your note. Love to have you involved. You can be a guest at the next board meeting. Can't wait to meet you. And I wrote back, you already met me and you told me that I talked too much. I said, I've been a broadcaster for 25 years. I talk for a living. I said, you reprimanded me. And I came back and said, gee, the microphones were working really great tonight. And we both had a laugh about the better <laughs> microphone system. And he actually answered me back 10 minutes later. And he said, now I know who you are. I'll see you at the, at the board meeting in two weeks. I, oh my God. I said to my, I, I texted a friend and I said, I probably shouldn't have told him that. I said, you you admonished me after I introduced myself. And he said, yeah, now I know who you are. Anyway, it just it just was funny. So read my lips. Sometimes we do talk too much, don't we, ladies? And that's the way it is because we talk what we need to say. So let's go around the table. I am Radio Red. Thrilled to be here. Monday night is the show is the joy of my life. Cindy and Ala and Risa every Monday night. And most of my guests, and I met all of you are from the, right, I met all of you at the National Publicity Summit, correct? All of you? Yes. Right. Yes. I'm attending another summit in a couple of weeks and I'll be inviting another 20 or 30 people to come on the show. Bless you, my dear. Bless you, my dear. You. So let's go around the table. Risa, you're up first. I'm going to put you on speaker view. Don't be shy. And you have your wonderful Mr. Bear Speaks Without Fear. Okay. Is that a, um, yes. Okay. Let's go and introduce yourself. Take about three minutes. And I want to know more about how you got started doing what you do. Give us the background on how you teach and why you teach people to speak. Right. Hmm. Risa, welcome. Go ahead. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. I, the first time I got up in front of adults in business and taught, I went, oh, this is where I belong. And I think that's important when you have that sensation of, oh, well, this is good follow it. I've really spent my life pretty much following that. Every time I've seen a course to take either for fun or for business, I go, oh, that would be fun. And I just sign up and do it. And I think that that's part of being creative is just whatever impulse you get that feels really good, go for that. And the way I've done that is every job I ever had, because it took me a while to find exactly who the, the work that matches me, 
what I would do would go say, what part of this job do I like? How can I get more of that kind of work? And I would just tell everyone I know I'm looking for my next career. What are some, what are businesses or what is something that does those top three things? And I did that repeatedly. And it turns out that when I got in front of adults, I went, oh, this is absolutely it. And I went through various parts of that. I became a, a very big, important senior seminar leader in, in the oldest and largest management company. And I got so many good evaluations for teaching public speaking. I thought, I'm going to make the big money and speak at conventions. And I was great at that, but I have a better skill. And that is, I can make anyone in the room speak on stage. And the, my experience came from all those many, many, many courses and seminars and classes and trips and, and adventures that I had. I just learned a lot of stuff about what persuades people. And that's what I do. Thank you very much. Um, I will tell you that one of my first real public speaking opportunities, shall we say, or events, was when we were asked to give a, a speech on something we, were, we like to do um, in my seventh grade English class. And I took a recipe on making bread from The Joy of Cooking. And I brought it in. I think I brought the cookbook with the blue cover. You, you know, some of you know what The Joy of Cooking is, mm. a classic. And I gave a little lesson on baking bread to my class. And I discovered, Risa, I liked being in front of the class and speaking. I had played the piano at graduations and I had been in, yeah, I was ended up being the chorus, uh, the pianist for the girls chorus at a big high school after that. But this was junior high, which is today mm -hmm. called middle school. And I had a sense that I was happy to be standing there. The teacher mm -hmm. admonished me after when he said that was copyrighted material. You probably weren't supposed to talk about it. I said, it's a recipe. What are you ridiculous? These are seventh graders. They're not going to go home and say, oh my God, she read a recipe from the drive. Anyway, it was just, uh, yeah, it, it was a very interesting experience and I liked it. And that's when I realized, but it was that little epiphany, Risa, that that's that just, it. That was it, that little nugget. Yes. And it took years before I went into broadcasting, but I knew I had that, I knew I, the joy. And, and now part of the reason I get up in the morning is to talk to really smart and interesting people like the three of you. You bring joy to my life because you talk with me. And I like that. Before I get all sappy here, let's go to Ala Kalujny. I'm still saying it right. I get two gold <laughs> stars, Ala. I'm waiting for them in the mail. I told you the show was a party. We're not doing interviews here. Ala, I'm putting you on speaker Absolutely. view. Would you please tell us about yourself? Go ahead and welcome. Well, thank you. I'm Ala Kalujny, as you heard. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's very exciting to be on your show among these wonderful women. Um, and uh, what can I say about myself? As you mentioned, I immigrated to the United States. I learned how to speak English, how to write in English, how to express myself in English. And it took a lot of creativity, yeah. which is how I watched all my children for 18 years. And from watching all my children, I learned how to acculturate myself in a new culture. I learned a new sense of humor. I learned how to dress, although I was, I knew how to dress before, of course. But all these new things I learned watching daytime show TV. And uh, yes, I also learned English by working with children. And um, 
basically all my work here in the United States was working with children. And when I retired from being a children's social worker, I, everybody was, and I went on early retirement, people were asking me, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to write a book. I had no idea what I'm going to write about. However, after a couple of years in the meditation, during my yoga class, I was downloaded the whole program, the whole book with the table of content, even the color of the book cover you can see. So this is became my passion. I started writing and then I took that writing class and I'm taking, now I'm finishing up the second one. You would be interested to read my other stories if they're going to be published. So that's my little introduction. Thank you, Ala. And I've heard that from other people who came from another country to the United States, that they learned a lot of English from watching daytime TV. And I'm guessing that if it was anything in, in the genre of soap operas, a lot of emotions, right? A lot of emotions. I love you. I hate you. I didn't kill him. I want to kill him. I'm staying with you. I'm leaving you. Where are you? I don't know. I, I, I'm not making fun. I'm just appreciating that it's very emotional speech because that's what draws people in is we get to be voyeurs on the lives of these fictional characters, right? Ella, go ahead. Comment? Yes. Uh, I just want to say thank you to Erica Kane and Adam Chandler. And I love it. I, love it. I didn't know you were going to say that. Wow. Oh. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, yes. thank you very much. I learn a lot from them. I'm and glad. soap opera, you know, it's, it's slow. I would repeat the word. I would rewind the word, new word, if I did not understand. So I would look at the dictionary. So it was a great learning experience. And it takes a lot of creativity to do so. Wonderful. I'm I'm very happy to meet you. And I met you at the summit and I was very impressed with you. And let's go one more seat around the table. Cindy Watson, here you are. Let's have the backstory. Welcome, Cindy. Yeah, it's great to be here, Radio Red. And the kudos to you for all the great work you do helping people to tap into their creativity and remember how important it is. Uh, for me, I would say I've been uh, an evolution like most people. Um, you know, I grew up in a low rental apartment building in a pretty tough neighborhood. Loved being creative as a kid. You know, I was in the choir. I played clarinet. I loved to dance. I loved to write. Um, but I think given my background, my dad always instilled in us that people needed to be treated with dignity and respect no matter what walk of life you come from. So Probably not a surprise, I ended up practicing social justice law, really wanted to make a difference. And I think growing up where I did give me an advantage because I really brought creativity to my legal arguments, which I think often threw a proposing counsel way off base, right? I'd bring in my personal life and I'd really get creative with it. But I've reached a point, I think, like a lot of women, where I realized I sort of followed a path to do what was expected of me. And even though I built a successful practice, I felt dissatisfied. So that prompted me to found Women on Purpose. And it started originally trying to help women re-tap into, rediscover their purpose and their passion in life to be able to follow a path and live into their vision and dream instead of taking care of everybody else. Yeah. And that then evolved into my art of feminine negotiation because I suddenly had my epiphany that all of life is a negotiation, whether we're negotiating with our kids or our intimate partners, big business deals. Mm -hmm. And yet we've been sort of duped into buying into this myth that toughness carries the day and women really pay a price for that. So that's my sort of evolution of why I came to create the persuasion and art of feminine negotiation programs. 
Very, very interesting. Yeah, we've been fighting that battle for many, many decades, haven't we, Cindy? And too Risa long. And Allah, too long, where you, you have to be very careful what you say and how you present yourself, and the, and the men are going to say, oh, you're too aggressive, whereas he's assertive, we're aggressive. We've all seen those lists of the, the comparable, the, the A versus B, and we always get the B, the B side that nobody wants to hear. I'm still being told I talk too much and I'm too loud. and It's like, give me a break. You know, you either want it or you don't, right? I don't, if you can't take it, walk out of my kitchen. That's perfectly fine with me. So ladies, I'm having too much fun. That's the whole purpose of this show. So I tell you what, we're going to go to the quote section of the show. I've asked if you're new watching the show, I ask all my guests to send me a quote from a fictional character from a movie or a TV series or a song lyric. And I think we have a little mix of everything tonight. And it can't have the word creativity in it. Like when did it, did anybody ever really, that would be hard to find. I've asked ChatGPT and even, <laughs> even it can't find them for me. So uh, they're going to explain how they picked the quote and what it has to do with their own creativity. So I'm going to start with Risa Wolf, W-O-O-L-F. I'm still not forgiving myself for misspelling it. Risa, I'm, you may forgive me, but I'm not. And uh, the quote you picked is interesting. It's a song written by, it's called A Different Drum. It's written by American singer-songwriter Michael Nesmith in 1964, and it was recorded by the Greenbrier Boys for their album in 66, Better Late Than Never. He wanted to give it to the Monkees because he was part of the Monkees, and their TV producer said, no, 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 we're not going to play that song on the air. But Nesmith did a comic version on the show. The next year, the Stone Ponies featuring Linda Ronstadt recorded it. It shot to number 12 on the Cashbox Top 100, 13 on the Billboard Hot 100, 16 on Record World Magazine, and in case you're interested, in New Zealand, it went to number five. And six years later, Nesmith recorded it on his own. So the line, which we all associate with Linda Ronstadt, don't we, Lisa, is, you and I travel to the beat of a different drum. I hope I really try not to sing on the show, but that wasn't too bad. Risa, thank you, Cindy. Risa, rescue me. How'd you find it? And what does it have to do with your creativity? Go ahead. <laughs> I grew up uh, with um, really, really, really nice people, but I had a different way of looking and acting and being in the world. And what I learned was to do what I do and not tell anybody. <laughs> so pretty much I've lived this very fun and enjoyable life kind of under the radar because I didn't follow a conventional path in any way at all. And I pretty much just did the next thing that looked interesting and fun. And this is what I know. When I, I guess I realized that when I went to my high school reunion, the first one after 10 years, and I wrote under, what do I do? I wrote adventurer. And this woman came up to me and said, how do you do that? <laughs> Not only that, I... I had this whole list of cool things that I wanted to say that I've done in the last 10 years. And I opened up with, hi, I'm living now in San Francisco. And, and everyone was just stunned because I came from Baltimore, Maryland. And, and everyone kind of lived like two blocks from their mom. So, <laughs> um, so I realized, oh, I'm doing something different than others. And I also found that when I spoke about what, how my life was, people felt a little threatened and invalidated, like maybe they had taken the wrong path. But what they don't realize is this. 
everyone's on their own path. I completely don't care what you do in your path. I have no judgment about what you do in your path. I'm only interested in me walking down my path real well. And I really trained a lot of bad traits that I learned early uh, 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 about me. And what I early on, I just really got this idea that everyone's entitled to do what they want. I don't as long as you're not hurting anyone uh, and you're making a living, it, it's fine with me. So I think that's part of it is that I really always was going to do my thing anyway, but I kind of felt less. Um, it wasn't important to win anyone over and to explain myself. That's a big part of creativity. That is, that is. And and what's interesting is four years ago, I learned how to be a drummer and I'm a drummer too. So talk about a different drum and my set is red and sparkly <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out how to find some people to join me in a band here. I, I was uh, I was uh, the drummer and the MC for a 12-piece Motown band in Durham, North Carolina, my community. Wow. And I miss it a lot. So anyway, but I'm not disciplined. I, I don't do rudiments. I just sit down and play because I know this music and I interpret it my way and take it or leave it, right? Bang, bang on the drum. That's it. That completely is what I'm saying. It's like, that's yeah. it. Whatever makes you happy, do it. And yes. And, um, and uh, I mean, I just think, think of the people in your life that, that when you speak to them, they're always encouraging you and only share your secrets with them. Absolutely. <laughs> Pretty much don't, don't share with anybody who makes you feel bad. And Risa, what I say is we're all improving it. I, I tell people I didn't I didn't pop out of my wonderful mom with a guidebook on you're gonna go to you're gonna do this, you're gonna study that, you're gonna like this, you're gonna meet this person. It's all improv. That's what we're doing. I'm not scripted right now, Cindy, Risa, Allah, we're not scripted. It's a big improv. And that's why we have to figure out how we're gonna create where we go along that path. On that note, I'm gonna move to Allah. Collusioning. I just like saying your last name. I'm going to say it. As, I'm going to spell Reese's name. You can gonna, repeat it as low as many thank, times as you want. To. Thank you. Ala Collusioning. What a beautiful name. Now, you picked a song written by John Lennon in 1980. Beautiful boy, darling boy. And, and the line that you're quoting was in the song, and it's quoting Alan Saunders from a 1957 article he wrote in Reader's Digest. And the song, Beautiful Boy, was performed by John Lennon. It was the last album he and Yoko did before he died. Sean Lennon is his only child with Yoko Ono. And in the song, he's comforting his son from a supposed nightmare, describing the joy Sean has given him. And he whispers, good night, Sean. See you in the morning, bright and early. And then he quotes, and here's the line Allies pick. So John Lynn didn't write it, but he put it into his song, and that that's important. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. Allah, how'd you find this beautiful line, and what does it have to do with your creativity? Go ahead. Well, um, that was um, news to me when you said it was from the song, because I didn't grow up here listening to those songs. I heard it on Sex in the City. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Talk about so talk about soap operas and dramas learning English. <laughs> Go ahead, Alex. Yes. Good one. Um, and when I heard um can't remember the main uh, character uh, name, but when she said it, I, I had to write it down immediately because it stood up for me. That's what my life is about. Life is happening here and I'm making plans no matter what. So it's really reflecting my life, 
whether it was in the Ukraine and the Soviet Union or the way I came immigrated here or how it unfolded here. Even last Friday, I was flying to Scottsdale, to Arizona for a one-day seminar. And guess what? The last minute they canceled my, pl- my flight because of the terrible weather in Los Angeles and California. Yes. So I had to change my plans and adjust them and leave very early in the morning to be there on time. So that's how life happens to me while I'm making other plans. There you go. Mm-hmm. It was Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Carrie Bradshaw. Oh, yes. Thank okay. you. I, I had to think for a couple of minutes. All of these little <laughs> prompts are like, I can remember. I can, I'm not going to look at it. I can remember. Yes, I did. It, it took about yes. 42 seconds, but I got it. <laughs> Haven't thought Good. about that. Thank I you. did. I have to tell you, Ala, I wanted the DVD set of the original show of Sex in the City. And I brokered on eBay. I, I, bar- I negotiated, Cindy, for weeks and months to buy it. I think I got a, a used copy that was, it wasn't used. It was still in the, in the case and it was still wrapped and all that. I don't know what I paid for it. I had to have that. Do you think I ever once opened it or played it? Are you serious? Do you know how many states that thing has come and traveled with me and how many movie fans and how many bookshelves it's here somewhere? Anyway, just, just uh, yeah, I, I had to have it. And that was classic. I did watch the, the reboot. They, they tried to do a new uh, TV mm-hmm. series, and I couldn't get through the first episode. I thought it was so dismal, just absolutely so so put on. They, yeah. they lost that charm. They lost that newness. Yes. Anyway, uh, let's go on. I'm looking at, thank you, Oliver Alec Kalushni. See, I'm still working on it. There you go. And let's go to Cindy Watson. And Cindy has picked, well, this is right along the lines of what you do, my dear, and I let you get away with it for a quote. But this is from, um, let's see, Kevin Lomax, played by Keanu Reeves, and John Milton, hint, hint, Satan, played by Al Pacino. The movie is The Devil's Advocate, 1997 supernatural horror film. And it was marketed as just Devil's Advocate, uh, blah, blah, blah. Charlize Theron is a wife, and it's based on Andrew Niederman's 1990 novel about a gifted young Florida lawyer. Cindy, is that you? Reed, <laughs> invited to New York to work for a major firm. His wife becomes haunted by these nightmarish visions, and he realizes Al Pacino is the devil. John and Pacino, Satan, takes the guise of a human lawyer named after the lawyer, the author of Paradise Lost, who is John Milton, and the story contains allusions to Milton's epic Dante's. Dante Alighieri's Inferno and the Legend of Faust or Faust. Anyway, it uh, got an award for the best horror film, horror film, and it was part of a lawsuit. Did you know that, Cindy? I did not know that. You do your homework, woman. I do, honey. The movie was the subject of a lawsuit, Hart versus Warner Brothers, for visual art. There was something about Warner said, yes, I don't know who Hart was and who H-A-R-T. And here's the quote. John Milton says, are we negotiating? And Kevin Lomax says, always Cindy, this is right out of your playbook, dear. How'd you find this one? And what does it have to do with your creativity? Like, I don't know. Go ahead, Cindy. Yeah, well, I love I love the quote. I loved it the time I saw the movie, but I had not actually uh, started the Art of Feminine Negotiation. So that, that epiphany came later. May, maybe subconsciously that quote was rumbling around in my head. I don't know, but I love the movie. It made a big impact. Um, but for me, it really does tap into that idea about that all of life is a negotiation. I mean, that, that it's essence, whether you're doing those million dollar deals or with service providers or your kids or your intimate partner. And I think it's kind of the secret sauce to negotiating our best lives when you can bring that creativity to the table. 
And it's more about raising your awareness. I think when we recognize that all of life is a negotiation, because most of us, if I say, what do you think of when you think negotiation, you immediately picture a boardroom with big suits, probably the big padded shoulders. I'm, I'm dating myself now, right? <laughs> oh, <boy>. but, <laughs> that but does. When, <laughs> but when you recognize that all of life is a negotiation, it's why I'm so passionate about it. I think it allows us to show up with intention so that we can bring that creativity to the to the table to actually negotiate our best lives, which is interesting because I think it ties to um, both of the quotes that we've heard, right? It's about really seeking to understand other people, uh, you know, goes back to Reese's quote. And I think this idea as well about planning out our lives. If you don't get intentional about it, as Alice's quote is, life will pass you by. So it's kind of uh, appropriate how they all tie together. There you go. Cindy, am I hearing a Canadian twang in there? That's the you, not British. <laughs> I thought so. I was waiting for a, a, a sign there. I had a boot. About that's <laughs> about about this and about that. Thank you very much. I'm appreciating you. I'm not making fun of you, but I I had to tell you I picked up on that. So, ladies, thank you for doing the work on the quotes. Yes, I do my homework. I love doing this. Uh, I will tell you that on my business shows, I was having people pick quotes from famous people for years and relating them to the business topic: future manufacturing, future of of uh, business model, business models, future yes. of innovation, future of uh, utilities, the future of uh, cloud computing. You name it. It was a whole bunch of future types of uh, game changing topics, and after a while, everybody's picking the same quotes from Einstein and from Gandhi and from Maya Angelou and from Winston <laughs> Churchill. And after a while, I said, oh, if I have to hear that quote again, I'm going <laughs> to fall asleep in my own show. So about two years ago, I changed it for all of my shows. This one and my business shows, it's always a movie quote or a song quote or a TV character quote. And people yes. still send me quotes from books that don't have a movie. You know, and I do. I know that wasn't a movie. You can't. And they still send me quote. But I want to quote this philosopher. No, you can't quote Brene Brene Brown, and you can't quote Albert Einstein. No, you can't. Some people fight me on it, but I have had so much fun researching. And I will tell you that Elizabeth Taylor's birthday is today. And I'm going to tell you toward the end of the show how she really made the most money in her career, and you're all going to be surprised. So the research is so much fun for me. By the way, how many of you are using ChatGPT for anything? The AI chatbot, are you using any? Not I just heard about it. I use it for all the intros, the research for the intros to my business radio shows. And nice. it's just a right. And people say it's not sentient. It's not, it doesn't have empathy or compassion. It's not human. But if it makes a mistake, I'll say, wait a minute. That that quote wasn't from John Milton in Devil's Advocate. It was from somebody else. It'll say, I'm sorry for the confusion. It will apologize to me. <laughs> I kid you not. It, it It's apologized to me several times because oh. I've caught it in bad movie quotes a couple of times. I so heard anyway, it's remarkable. It, it is something, and there are other versions that are coming out from other companies. But do take a look. It's openai.com, and it's free. So go, go take a peek. I think you'll have fun. So here we go. I'm going to pick a statement from each of you. You each of were asked to please send me four statements about your creativity, what it means in your life, how you've used it. And I'm going to pick one. I will read it. You don't have to go finding it, ladies. So, Risa, I'm looking at your statement number three, and I like this, and you'll find out why. You say, my creativity, this is Risa Wolf talking, Risa Wolf, PhD, I can say that too. My creativity has expressed itself in many, many hobbies. I've done crafts, planned trips and took them, written fun songs and poems for friends. Risa, I think you're my doppelganger because I've done all of this too. Um, decorated my dining room table for holidays, not so much that, without the burden of ever giving a party. I love that. I did it for my own happiness. Listen to this. This is the key. Even five minutes doing a hobby reduces stress, 
make your hobby easily accessible. Risa, three minutes, talk to me, or make it two minutes because we're running out of time. We have plenty left, but I, I have a lot more to talk about. Risa, this is interesting. I've never had anybody say, make your hobbies accessible and five minutes reduces stress. Could you talk to that, please, Risa? We always think, or many, many people think, oh, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. And it's because they think they have to devote a Saturday afternoon to their hobby. And it doesn't matter what your hobby is, just something that is that you enjoy doing. And it, it, hobbies are kind of our natural skills that are expressed in ways other than making money. And what I find is that if I leave it out and available, I can walk over, do a few things, play with it. And I'm just, it, it takes all the attention away from everything else that's happened. And that alone raises my energy. Very what good. I've, yeah, what I've done now, thank you. What I've done now is I, um, because of COVID, I'm not out and about as much. And I have a lot of lovely jewelry that I've made that I've purchased. And what I've done is I've laid it out so that I can enjoy it just for the sake of enjoyment. So those are some ways to kind yes. of in, in, increase the happiness in your life every day. Have you been following me for the past 20 years, Risa? <laughs> you know what I did? I used to go to a Goodwill in St. Vincent's stores on Long Island, and I would look at their glassware, and they had beautiful candy dishes, Macasa, a dollar, a dollar fifty, and I would buy a whole bunch of them. And I put them on top of a couple of them on top of my bedroom dresser, beautiful. Some of them were cut glass, some of them were just beautiful, some in pink, some clear glass. And I would take the jewelry. I bought jewelry on eBay by the lot, L-O-T. You could buy maybe $30, $40. You would bid on them and you'd get a box. Some of the some of the sellers would hand wrap each piece. It would take me two hours to open them in little tissue paper with, with a string or with tape. I'm serious. I would sometimes get 40 or 50 pieces of jewelry in one box. I'm not kidding, Cindy. And for 30, 40 bucks. And I would lay them out on my bed and I'd invite my mom and my sister. They're both gone. But I'd say, come over and shop in my bedroom. And I'd say, take whatever you want. Rings, earrings, necklaces, bracelets. My mother had the had the screw-on earrings, uh, the clip-on earrings. And people were selling those in those days. I had dozens of them. And it was just so much fun. But I liked, after a while, Risa, I said, I want to enjoy the jewelry even if I don't wear it. So I started displaying it for myself. So whenever I walked mm -hmm. in the room, I could, or I could open a great big Valentine heart-shaped candy box with lace on the cover, and I'd open it up and all my great big butterfly pins with different color crystals and, and rhinestones, all different colors, intricate. I must have 25 butterfly pins of all. And I just open the heart-shaped box and look and say, you know, that's really pretty. And I close the box, put it away. But I got <laughs> to doing that. So I think you, you've been here, Risa. You, you've been here. I'm sorry. I don't know what you're doing, but thank you very much. You're talking. And the other thing is I... I've been a painter and artist for about five years now, and I have over 200 paintings, paint pouring, acrylic, uh, mi mixed media, watercolors, collages. And I just learned about a week ago that you can make your own collage papers. Do you know how, ladies? You ever get gifts with tissue paper? Lots of tissue paper? Cut the tissue paper into small five by five, six by six squares. Put it on a piece of plastic. On I have an art table in my, my sunroom. I turned to an art room here. And take a little watercolor or any kind of paint and paint it, brush it, or sprinkle it or spritz it on the tissue and let it dry in any colors you want. Just patterns, colors, anything. And I'm using gold, acrylic, paint pouring, paint gold, uh, hmm. gold, and silver, and pale 
pink and blue and green watercolors and you let them dry and they make the most gorgeous papers and then you cut them and make them into your collages. So you don't need to buy ephemera types of collage paper. You can make your own. And Risa, I have got a stack of this stuff. I just made six more pieces before the show today and it's accessible. And my room is one door away and I've got a heater in there and I've got a lamp in there and I've got six windows with blinds on them. I can bring the light in and it's accessible. Anytime I want to paint, anytime I want to do a collage, it's right there. And do you know what joy that brings me? And if I have a boring day, God forbid, or something, and I just don't want to do anything else, I just go out there and I immerse. I'm just going to see what happens. And Risa, I've never heard it put quite that way. So thank you very much. I want to move on. I'm looking at statement number one from Ala Kalushni. I just love, I don't know. I, it's going to be Kalushni day today. I don't know. I, I just like your name. I hope oh, you- Any hope, day is a Kalushni day. There you go. <laughs> This is wonderful. It's not in the calendar, but we'll put it in. Statement number one, you say creativity is a state of mind in which I would like to hang out while pushing my comfort zone and allowing my imagination to soar. Give us two minutes on that, please. Ala? Well, my books are a representation of how I allow my imagination to soar. I also play piano. And once in a blue moon, nowadays, I get to the piano and start playing whatever I want to play. I'm, although I trained a uh, pianist, I really don't play by uh, looking at the notes. I mo mostly play by ear. And that allows me to push my comfort zone. And in terms of comfort zone, that led me to writing one book and then the second book and now another book I'm writing. So I'm constantly pushing my comfort zone and allow myself to be to become someone I was not yesterday. So that was beautiful, Ala. Allowing myself to become someone I was not yesterday. You know, that's part of the magic of this show. Thank you, Cindy. She was doing the heart. Mm -hmm. So many things come out just in conversation, just by talking about it, that we may feel it, but never articulate it quite that way. That's why each of my guests, you're all creative about creativity. And I appreciate you. Thank all of that was just lovely. Just absolutely lovely. Wow. Cindy, I'm looking at statement number two. This is one of my favorite. We get this from time to time in a similar form from other guests. And I, I really want to talk about it. You say creativity requires curiosity. When we accept everything we are fed, she puts air quotes around them at face value, <laughs> we're stifled and constrained from free thinking and being. By contrast, when we get curious, invoke the art of fascination. That's a new word. I don't think anybody's ever talked about fascination. We talk about an imagination and curiosity, fascination. Invoke the art of fascination, ask powerful questions. We unlock limited, limitless possibility. Cindy, the art of fascination, unlocking yeah. the fat. Never heard. Wow. Three of you really rocking this. Go ahead, Cindy, your turn. Go ahead. Yeah, I love that. I think in, in life, in business, in art, um, when we can show up and get curious, like we are so constrained these days. The media tells us what we need to look like, what we need to talk like, what we need to purchase, how, how we're supposed to be, what's popular, what's not in this whole Instagram world. 
And I think we've really lost our curiosity and our ability to just truly step out and be authentically ourselves and showing up from that place where anything is possible uh, when we don't limit ourselves by other expectations. But I think even in our personal interactions, Radio Red, right? If we, when you, a lot of the conflict I think in the world comes from us not. Um, because we get so stuck in our own position. So when we can show up in life, just getting, well, I, I call it the art of fascination, be fascinated when, especially when you disagree with people, just get fully and get, get curious, ask really powerful questions and be fascinated, truly allow yourself to get to a place where you're fascinated, even if you disagree. And then we unlock that possibility and we can bring that to our negotiations. We can bring that to our artistry um, when we don't, you know, what if I tried this? Like you were saying about the collaging and there's that Japanese art where you get the mosaics and you break them up and you put gold mm -hmm. in the cracks and yep. you come up with something even more beautiful. Uh, you know, ask the question, what if more? What if I allowed myself to feel this? What if I showed up this way? What if I tried this? What if I approach this person differently or approach this issue differently? Imagine what a gorgeous world it would be if we all approached our interactions that way. I think it's a game changer. You know, it's one of the things I think that really led for me to the art of feminine negotiation, that the whole concept behind it is put our ego aside, right? Put all of those expectations. Everybody, when you mentioned at the beginning, telling you to make yourself smaller, you know, be bold from a place of competitive energy to get more, come from a place of collaboration and creativity, and you'll get better outcomes, better relationships, better buy-in, longer lasting agreements, and you'll be more personally fulfilled as well. So that was yeah. the lawyer talking uh -huh. at the end there, way she spatted off that list. Thank you very much. <laughs> Risa, I, I want to ask you before I do the famous birthdays, and I'll talk about Elizabeth Taylor in a second. Thank you, Cindy. That was lovely. The art of fascination. The power of fascination. Wow. I had never heard that. You you all three have contributed something new. That's why I like this roundtable format. Risa, know your audience. That was a key that Mr. Bear was told by Isaac and by Petra. This was the bear who was asking these people to mentor or help him. They had been through their own trials and tribulations of becoming public speakers. And Mr. Bear went to them and said, I, I admire what you do. Would you share some tips with me? And know your audience. I found in life that if you don't know the audience and it's the wrong audience, Cindy, you ain't going to get anywhere, honey, <laughs> bear or not, you're not going to get anywhere and you're going to get either mud or egg thrown on your face and the egg's not going to be cooked either. So it's not going to taste good. But Risa, just very briefly, how do we know our audience when we're being our creative, curious, fascinating, yeah, that self, how, how, do we, how do we know if we have the right audience? What do you think, Risa? Just briefly. Well, I wrote the book particularly for people who have public speaking fear because mm -hmm. I train I train TED Talk speakers and I've been curing public speaking fear. I studied with the man who invented cognitive therapy, Albert Ellis, in his 90s. Oh, and my. I really know how to fix public speaking fear. I just that's what I do. And that's why I threw my best TED Talk ideas and my best fear ideas in one book. And the thing, so so that book is written for if you have to speak at work, if you have to, you know, actually right. talk for something. And as far as know your audience, I suggest that people, like whoever has asked you to speak, say to them, who's going to be there? What's our purpose for being there? And then the whole entire writing process, because everyone knows a ton of information, the way to narrow it down is, what would that group find interesting about my mm -hmm. three main points? 
<clears throat> like I know I want to say these three things to them and I could explain it in many different ways. Well, what would they particularly find interesting? What would resonate? And, and, and what's yeah. the outcome? I know you say in the book, what's the outcome? Um, I will tell you all briefly that I, I wrote three romantic comedy plays under my other name a couple of years ago and produced them with community actors in the TV studio where I was producing yes. my shows. Had a blast. Green screen. Just we went all out. It was great. Wow. And I, I produced one with live actors in a community in another state. I'm some, where I moved here from. And I'll tell you all that later. And it was not well received because people <laughs> didn't get it. It was a little too creative for them. <laughs> Because it, it was the premise was it was Valentine's Day at a big city hotel and Fred and Ginger, who were running this dance, had people come and wear masks and they paired people up by the dances they loved. Were you a, a cha-cha person? Mm. Were you a Lindy person? Were you a, a hustle person? Were oh. you a tango person? And then I had the actors on stage with actual Mardi Gras masks on and then they would they would dance and then they would stop dancing. We stopped the music. It was tricky working with my DJ. It was like, stop. Okay, 28 seconds. Stop. Okay. And then they would stand there and look at the audience. And off stage, somebody would read what they were thinking. I wonder what she's thinking about me. I wonder what he's. And a little dialogue. Well, I came in from the Midtown Tunnel and parking in New Jersey was just absolutely awful. And I can't believe it. Who's this character? So she's Ginger. Well, we know it's not Ginger Rogers. What the hell? And you know what? I had forgot to buy my father socks for his birthday. I need to get him compression. <laughs> so they're not thinking about each. And, and I had this whole dialogue so off stage i had in a in a black booth i had the actors the voice actors voicing what was happening well people didn't get it <laughs> and they said oh it was a dance recital i don't know why those people on stage weren't talking i i took a beating i took a beating i quit the theater club after that because i was oh. i was brutalized i was absolutely publicly excoriated for the play but that's my point is sometimes we don't know in our creative moment what the audience, who they are, because you can't ask those questions. Just, just a point. I want to thank you all. I appreciate your statements. Learn so much. Let's go to some birthdays. February 27th, Josh Groban. I mentioned it to my engineer, Josh. He said, you know who he was? He sang at the Olympics of the Super Bowl. <laughs> you lift me up. Uh, Joanne Woodward. We all know Joanne Woodward, remember? She was married to the one and only Paul Newman from 1958 to 2008 when he passed away. I didn't know that she was, well, the golden age of Hollywood. She started in the 50s. Listen to this. You'll all appreciate this. She she played complex women with nuance and depth of character. That's what she's known for. Good actress. But she attended Sarah Lawrence College. And really? so and so did I. But not in the same year, kids, because she, yeah, she's 93 and I ain't anywhere in that ballpark. Leslie Gore attended that college. So did Barbara Walters and Yoko Ono. I was in wow. good company, but I saw Leslie Gore. It's my party. Anna. I saw Leslie Gore in the bookstore one day. That's my claim to fame. Okay. Well, she saw me too. So that's it. Ralph Nader is 89 today. Josh Groban's 42. Ralph Nader, the political activist, author, lecturer. He was involved in consumer protection, environmentalism, government reform. I didn't know uh, Allah. He was the son of Lebanese immigrants who came to the United States and he managed to get himself through Princeton University and Harvard Law. Very interesting. Wow. Here's the in memoriam. Okay. In memoriam. Elizabeth Taylor, 1932 to 2011. Dame Elizabeth Rosemond Taylor, DBE, British and American actress. Her parents had both citizenships. She started as a child actress in National Velvet in the 1940s. She was one of Hollywood's most popular stars in the 50s. She was the highest paid movie star in the 1960s. Can you believe that? The highest paid wow. star. In 1999, the American Film Institute, AFI, named her the seventh greatest 
female screen legend of the classic Hollywood cinema. I didn't know that. She was married eight times to seven men, twice to Richard Burton. She created, here's the deal. Listen up. She created a collection of fragrances that helped establish celebrity branded perfumes. She helped launch that industry and she personally oversaw the creation and production of 11 fragrances that had her name on them. You've heard of White Diamonds and and Passion in 87 and White Diamonds in 91. Get this. Ladies, are you all sitting down? I think you're all sitting down. You're not going to believe this. I put it in bold in my notes. She earned more money from her fragrance collection than in her entire acting wow. career. That's why. And her wow. estate was estimated between $600 million and a billion dollars, and most of it was revenue from her perfumes. Wow. Wow. That's Who shocking. Knew? I know. I know. And a, a Wikipedia shocking. had this, so it came from a person, not a bot. In 2005, she founded a jewelry line called the House of Taylor with Kathy Ireland and the Abramovs, uh, Abramov, Abramovs, Jack and Monty. I thought that was interesting. John Steinbeck, also born today. You know, Grapes of Wrath, East of Eden, Cannery Row, Mice and, Mice and Men. He won Pulitzer and Nobel for his, his work. Uh, Marian Anderson, the contralto opera singer, was a spiritual singer. She was also a delegate to the human United Nations Human Rights Committee. Uh, mm-hmm. I have two social media stars for you, and I've got we've got to wrap up here pretty fast. Camila Cohilo is 35 today. I don't want you all to get upset, but she has 3.5 million followers on YouTube, and she's got 8 million plus on Instagram. And what does she oh. do? She has her videos in Portuguese and English. She's a fashion and beauty blogger, and her company is called Makeup by Camila. And she launched her main channel in 2010. That was Portuguese or English channel in 2011. So she has 3.5 million plus 8 million. Go for it. TikTok. We have a young man named Cesar Pantoya, who's 20, who is a lip sync and dance content creator. Are you sitting down still, Cindy, Ella, and Risa? (laughs) He has more than 14 million followers. Last week, we had a little Russian nine-year-old who is a uh, blogger uh, and a video and a content creator on social, and she had four billion. Okay. Um, Today in in music, uh, Jamie Foxx won the Best Actor Oscar for his portrayal of Ray Charles in the movie Ray in 2005. Mm -hmm. Carlos Santana on this day in 2001 went back to his native Mexican town for the first time in 46 years, and they were unveiling a statue in honor of Carlos and his father, who was a mariachi player. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You debuted at number a 14th week at number one it which was a new record for songs it was broken by mariah carey and boys to men's one sweet day two years later the jackson's pepsi commercial premiered on mtv and here's the big deal in 1980 michael jackson won his first grammy best r&b performance for don't stop till you get up don't stop till you get enough <laughs> and here are the other winners listen to this this is like a who's who oh, we got to go other winners were donna summer best female rock performance for hot stuff earth wind and fire for after the love is gone and the doobie brothers for what a fool believes and on this day in 71 janice joplin's album pearl hit number one three months after she died and we are just about out of time one minute left quick risa website talk fast 10 seconds confident with a t confident speaking.com great and mr bear is on amazon wonderful ala website real fast Alakalushni.com. It's my name, one Laura case, and turning the pages, one of my books, and Thursday the two. Thank you very much. On Amazon Cindy. also. And of course. Goodreads. Cindy, where? Artofemininenegotiation.com. 
Thank you. I don't have time to spell that. Ladies, here we go. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. It's the only way. Trust me. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Join me. 10 seconds of laughing. <laughs> I always think I should open the show with that. And never never regret anything that makes you smile. Work like you don't need the money because nobody else cares. Dance like no one's watching. When I danced on a table teaching disco, they watched. That was it. Sing like nobody's listening while well, I sang and people listen. Love like you've never been hurt because we all been hurt. Get over it. Money talks. Chocolate sings. And last but not least, I stole this line. Thank you for turning me on. Ala, Risa, don't go away. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.